If you're, if you're new to Vintage or you hadn't been here in several weeks, we've been walking through much of the Gospel of Luke. And we're going to continue to do that this morning. But before we just dive into Luke and the passages that I have here in the middle of Luke 6, I, I just, I really have kind of felt convicted to kind of share with you, in part, uh, a part of my testimony. But it's this testimony that lends itself, I think, to create a lens that I'm going to create with you this morning in which to be able to read and see the Scripture in a different way than I think you would not, might otherwise just see it if you picked it up and read it. And, and so how this, you know, part of my testimony is that, you know, look, I grew up in the church, you know. I remember literally my parents making me go to church, and I didn't want to go to church when I was a kid at times. And, and church wasn't as fun as it is today. We didn't have Timothy Parker leading our youth group and, uh, and all and making announcements, but... I still gave my life to Christ at the age of 10 and was baptized, right? And I lived most of, you know, the next several years, you know, trying to be a Christian, trying to be a good person, trying to live by what, you know, I look back on and say it was the moral standard of Christianity. Trying to be a good person, do the right thing, not tell lies. And I really failed miserably at it. I really wasn't a good person. I was telling all kinds of lies. I was doing all kinds of things. And, and you know, there was this kind of season where I go to college and kind of do my own thing. And then, but finally, you know, I had this life transformation take place for me in my senior year of college. And it was when I met Steve Hambrick. Not really. Um, it just happened to be the same season in which I met Steve Hambrick. Um, I went to a, ca- a campus ministry at the University of Georgia where, where Steve and I did meet and, uh, and get to know each other. But um, it's where God really kind of flipped my understanding of Christianity around. And, and over the last, I guess, 20 years, um, what I've come to learn and understand the Christian life is about. So let me just kind of unpack with you. Again, creating this lens in which to be able to read the Gospels and specifically this passage, but not this passage alone. And, and I really grew up understanding the gospel to what I'm for this morning. I'm going to kind of call the half gospel. Because the half gospel that I understood and was presented was and it's good, but it's it was about receiving Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior so that my sins can be atoned for and that one day when I die, I can go into heaven. That's good news. Right. But it's not the full gospel, you see, because that gospel for me meant, OK, I'm going to get essentially a, a, a ticket into heaven by accepting Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And I'm going to try to live the rest of my life in order not to lose my ticket. So I'm going to go to church. I'm going to try to do the right thing. And I've got a whole laundry list of boxes to check in how I things I should do and things I shouldn't do. And, you know. You feel like it's kind of Santa Claus deal or, you know, are you more on the naughty list or the or the good list? Right. And that was literally, to some degree, what made up my elementary theology. And what I have come to discover, praise God, is that there is so much more to the truth and the reality of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not about simply gaining a ticket one day to get into heaven, although that's a great thing. I'm not knocking that a bit. There is so much more to the life that Christ has called me to. That, you know, when Jesus talks about the kingdom, he says, don't look for the kingdom here or there, for the kingdom of God is within you. And we don't have to wait until we die to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Did you know that? 
If you didn't know that, then I got good news. You only had half the gospel and you're about to get the other half. Because the reality is that the kingdom of God is available to you fully here and now that the very presence of the Spirit of God wants to come and live inside of you and literally possess your life. And we are to live our life surrendering and inviting Him to come and do so. So in reality, where the gospel of Jesus Christ and where we are not living willing for the gospel of Jesus Christ to transform our lives, we are missing the Christian life. Because Jesus wants to come live inside you and me and transform who we are to no longer look like you and me, but instead transform us into who He created us to be in His image. He wants to transform every part and parcel and hair in your body and on your head To look like and be like and reflect who he is. And so if you understand that reality, then you understand that the gospel is a mirror. And that when we look into that mirror, we should look and see Christ. And when other people look at us as Christians and they look in the mirror of the gospel, they should look and see Christ. Now... I don't know if you're anything like me, but that is not true all the time of who I am. So there is this reality of who I look and see when I look into the mirror, that I have to be have this self-awareness of what God is wanting to do in my life to transform me more into the image of who he is. Because if you are a Christian, then you gave your life to Jesus Christ. Let me explain what that word means. Gave your life. That means you gave it away. That it's not your life anymore. And that when you were baptized, you were baptized into his death, that you could come up out of that water or come up out of that sprinkling drop that happened on you, right? And become a different person, living your life to be transformed into his image. That when people interact and come across you, you are being so transformed in his image that it is though they came across Jesus himself. Now, I don't know if you're... Like me, but that's good news when Jesus shows me the things in that mirror where I don't look like him and he wants to transform me into himself. That is a life giving invitation. And if that thought of having a mirror before you sounds really scary and intimidating, then let me just tell you, that's a work of the enemy in your life because he wants you to feel guilt and shame about where your image looks different than his image, he wants you to feel overwhelmed and not want to stare in that mirror. But Jesus wants you to be able to look into that mirror and where you don't quite look like him, he wants you to see that as an invitation for transformation of your life. Because he wants to give you life. And life comes as we are filled with the Spirit of God and transformed to be like him. That's going all the way back to the garden where there's nothing separating you from the Father. There's nothing separating you from God. That you are being molded and transformed into His image with no conflict between you and Him. That literally the way that you express yourself to other people, there's an expression of authenticity of the kingdom of God because... It's not about you. It's about the Holy Spirit. It's about Jesus Christ living His life in you. And reflecting the expression of the kingdom of God to other people. So when people interact with you, they should see Jesus. 
They should see a loving, humble servant who was willing to die for them that they may be blessed and have a relationship with his father. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but when you're in traffic, that's not what I portray. And so the fact that that's not what I portray just holds up traffic in the mirror and says, "Okay, you got some work to do. And that is exciting. That is an invitation to life. Are you with me? You have to understand that what Paul says, Galatians 2.20, he says, you know, that I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives his life in me. That, friends, is a full gospel. You see, a system produces, every system in and of itself produces what it's designed to produce. Whether you like what it produces or not doesn't really matter. It's going to produce what it's designed to produce in business, in relationships, in church, in your Christian life. And the system of a half gospel where you live your life to hold on to your ticket, what does it produce? It produces the ability to say, okay, well, I need to try to be a good person and I need to hold on to my ticket. So I probably need to go to church, probably need to do this or probably need to do that. I need to feed some hungry people, need to give some of my old clothes I don't like anymore and I'll never wear again away. And right. It it produces a system of. Maybe doing some things to act out your Christian life. But there is so much more if you recognize the fullness of the, of the gospel than we recognize that there is this every day coming before the Father and saying, Who do you, what do you want to do and how do you want to transform my life and use me to transform lives all around me? Every day there's an opportunity for transformation of who I have been and who you are calling me to be. That there is no more complacency of being able to check a box or feel like you're doing your duty of being a Christian. No, it is a, in view of your mercy, I come before you and humble myself for all that you've done for me. I say, come and live your life for me. I surrender. It's Romans 12.1. In view of God's mercy, live your life as a living sacrifice before him. This is your spiritual act of worship. That is every day of how we should be living as Christians. But this half gospel didn't invite me to that. And I'm here today to share the good news of the gospel to say there is so much more God has in store for you as you live for the gospel to impact your life every day, in every moment, in everything that you do, in every way. You do not you no longer have to live with the fears And the insecurities that steal, kill, and destroy and cripple you from living an abundant life. Every time you see a fear and every time you hear an insecurity or see something that doesn't look like Christ in that mirror, the Holy Spirit is at work in saying, I can change that. Surrender that. Let's work on that together. And friends, that is a life of love. That is a life of That Christ has for every one of us in here. But it means stepping up to the plate every day in every opportunity and inviting the mirror of the gospel to show us who he is and who he is transforming us to be. Fair? So if you have your Bibles and you want to turn with me, we're going to look at this middle passage of Luke chapter 6. I'm going to be looking at verses 27 through 42. And in looking at this, I'm going to summarize because this uh, I'm not going to spend 10 minutes reading these passages to you. 
But I am going to summarize because you're all familiar, most likely if you've been in church any length of time, with what is, what is being said in these passages. And here's the setting is that Jesus is, has just come down from a mountain and he's turned and spoken directly to his disciples. But there's a crowd all around. But in a moment, he was speaking to the disciples. And then he turns from the crowd and it appears that he speaks to the crowd because he says, I tell you, all you who hear now, all you who hear, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Right? Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Give to those who take from you. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Right? I'm summarizing this passage, but how many times a day do I say to one of my boys, you know, are you treating your brother the way you want to be treated? It, I, could, I could just say it a thousand times, right? But it is the nature within us that we don't naturally treat people the way we want to be treated. Right? But every time, if they would follow that instruction and learn to treat the other one the way they would be treated, my house would be quiet and peaceful. Right? The same is true for you and me. Just because we're not 10 and 12, just because we're adults, doesn't mean that this gospel isn't just as real for you and me as it is for them. The gospel, just as much if not more, needs to transform us as it does a 10 or 12 year old. We have just as much, if not more, room for transformation to take place, and we should be living to have that gospel interact with and transform who we are into who Christ would have us be. His very image, right? So treat others the way you want to be treated. Kind of moving along through this text. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you, Jesus says? Even sinners do that. Even sinners care for those who care for them, but that's, none, that's not to your credit. How much more should we be loving and lending and giving to those who are enemies than, we do, than, than the way the world loves? Moving ahead. Because when you do this, then there's this reward that is awaiting for you. That you will be sons of the Most High. And here's this reflection of the gospel piece that Jesus is hanging everything around. But he said, this kind, Jesus, the the father is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Therefore, be merciful just as your father is merciful. Mirror, the gospel, be like your father. And your father does not have unconditional love. I mean, unconditional love. He has unconditional love. It is not based on a person's merit or how good they've been or how bad they've been. He says he shows mercy to the ungrateful and the wicked. If it was conditional, you wouldn't be showing mercy to the wicked. But he says, this is what love is and this is how you should live. That you should... See your father in his mercy and have that same mercy upon. So when people mistreat you, then treat them this way. When they hate you, then treat them this way. When they curse you, then treat them this way. Because this is how the father in heaven is to us. Therefore, be like. Now, there's a value system in this part of the passage that Jesus is speaking to. Because Jesus is saying... It is not to your credit, or it is to your credit when you love in this way. That means that there's credit somewhere. Now, if you're a money lender, that gets your attention. If you're someone who likes money, that gets your attention. Because if I can gain credit somewhere, that's a good thing, right? The reality is, is we're dealing in different currencies. You see, in the world, we function in the currency of money. 
Right? And a $100 bill has some value. So if I hold up a $100 bill, that's the first person to get here. Y'all, all, half of you start running. The other, other half would start tripping. But you try to get to it, right? Because money has value. But let me just tell you, that's your perspective that money has that value. To a hungry lion, what good is a $100 bill? But a limping gazelle, now that's got some value to it. You with me? So there is no value for a lion in a dollar bill, but there is a lot of value in a limping gazelle to a hungry lion. You with me? Different value system. Well, here we are. We're dealing with another value system. We're dealing with a value system that's not about money. This is the closest you'll ever hear me get to the gospel. I mean, to the prosperity gospel. Jesus Christ absolutely 100% wants to have you be billionaires in your spiritual life. And what is valuable in your spiritual life are things that are eternally valuable. Jesus' plan is not for you to be a billionaire in U.S. currency. His currency is eternal currency. And it exists of things where there is a transformation that happens within who you are into the actions of who he would have you be because he is living his life in you and through you. And you are living your life in the fullness of the gospel. Then your treasure will be in heaven and you will live and look to have things stored up for yourself in treasure. You see, loving your enemy is like the gold currency of heaven. And so Jesus says, you can have this credited to you. But your great reward is that you can become a son and be in the very image of this father who is merciful. So moving ahead. Next thing is do not judge or you'll be judged, right? Whatever you do will be kind of done back to you. But don't judge. Forgive and you'll be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Can a blind man lead a blind? Jesus goes into this little parable. Can a blind man lead a blind? No, they will lead each other along and they'll fall into a pit. You've heard this, this, this passage before, right? And then Jesus goes on to say that a student is not above his teacher. But when he is trained, he will do what? Become like his teacher. Jesus' plan in the gospel is fully for transformation to take place in your life and my life. And where you don't wake up every day or where I don't wake up every day or I'm not looking for in every opportunity, the circumstance of my day, looking for the gospel to transform me into his his image, I fail to live the Christian life. And friends, the half gospel got me nowhere, but full of shame and disappointment and guilt where I didn't check the right box on the naughty or the good list. That's all about Santa Claus. That has nothing to do with Jesus. So it's not about what you're going to get for Christmas. It's about the life. Of the kingdom of God coming and making himself more and more aware in you now that your kingdom life does not start when you die. Your kingdom life started the moment you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior and 
had his spirit come and live within you. Now, whether or not you understood how to live the Christian life is a whole nother thing. You see, most Christians said if, if, if it was presented, OK, there is a madman on the loose and we're all locked in here. And if you're willing to go outside and let someone put a gun to your head and you're willing to die for your faith, then I think a lot of us would be willing to do that. But we don't understand how to live the Christian life. We know how to die a martyr's death, but we don't know how to live in accordance with the Spirit of God. And the way in which we start, and that whole foundation is on, is that we look upon who He is and we say, I must become like you. I need you desperately to transform me into your image. Because everywhere that's happened, I've experienced life. And I don't have to experience this chain that I've been under. We can become like our teacher. Moving forward, Jesus goes on to say, so why don't you get this speck out of your own own eye? Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and you pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Wouldn't it be better to get the plank out of your own eye first so that then you can see clearly and remove the speck out of your brother's eye? Friends, that's... if, If you had a... A piece of grass fly up and get in your eye. What's the first thing you'd do? You'd say, either come help, or can somebody hand me a mirror? You say, I got to get this thing out of my eye. And yet somehow we live with this this plank in our eye, and we look back on, and it's absolutely no coincidence that Jesus is saying this statement in the context of judging, that we look past the piece of grass in our own eye and say, okay, let me get this the speck of dust out of your eye. Because me helping you get the speck of dust out of your eye is me ministering, right? But how am I going to minister and get the dust out of your eye when i got this plank in my own eye I can't see myself, right? This is Jesus' peace. That there has to be this authenticity that is a transformation of our heart. That we're not doing this list of loving our enemies and not judging our, our other people because it's the right thing to do. That's not the point at all. The point is, is that Jesus knows that we have a hard time loving our enemies. And that that's really not something we're capable to do perfectly all the time. And he's got it rigged. He's got it rigged where we are fully dependent on his spirit coming and living inside of us, equipping and empowering us to do what we cannot do ourselves because it's him living his life in us. And we can't love the way he loves. We can't live the way he lives. We can't minister the way he ministers. But you see, Jesus is inviting us to this new life. He's inviting us to come and stand before the mirror of the gospel and say, allow that gospel to say, in view of the mercy in which you've shown me, won't you come help get this plank out of my eye? That I might be able to see just as you can see. As I was looking at that this morning, I was just taken to the story of blind Bartimaeus. You know, he's this beggar who stands on the side of the road. And when he hears that Jesus is walking by, he's heard the stories of what Jesus has done. He's healed people and he's delivered people. And he's, he is this great, unbelievable, God-using prophet or Messiah. And he says, he hears him walking by and he says, Son of David, have mercy on me. 
But he's crying out. He's a blind man. He's a blind man and he is begging. Son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me, son of David. And there's a crowd all around and everybody's looking for Jesus' attention. And here's this man. Son of David, have mercy on me. Louder than Timothy could scream. And it's like, son of David, have mercy on me. And the people are just, can't you be quiet? We... Jesus is coming by. He's like, I know, that's why I'm screaming. Son of David, have mercy on me. He must get Jesus' attention because he needs the mercy of Jesus to come into his life. And he sees it. And he says, Jesus says, come. And he heals him of his blindness. And friends, where we fail to see ourselves as Bartimaeus and be able to turn to the cross and say, Son of God, have mercy on me. I have planks all in my eye, and I cannot see. I do not know how to live the Christian life. I am simply bound by all the concerns and the worries of the world and all the insecurities that continue to steal, kill, and destroy. But I believe that in you there is life and there is freedom, and there is a new way to discover a transformation that you want to bring into my life, and it's called the gospel. So by all means, transform me. Because I'm tired of being impatient. I'm tired of not being kind. I'm tired of people being able to look at me and not see you in the way that you would express yourself to them. I'm tired of not being compassionate. I'm tired of being mad and angry and alone. And Jesus says, I have all of that covered. I have a life of transformation waiting for you. If you will live your life before me and daily receive my kingdom and my gospel. Friends, where the gospel of Jesus Christ is not doing a transformational work in our life, we are failing to embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because everything that the gospel touches, it transforms. And if Christianity was enough before now if Christianity was about being able to come to church or check a box or feel like you were living by a moral standard, I've got good news for you. It's about so much more. You get to have the living water of life pour into you. And the next thing you know, then people will, their interaction with you will be like they have interacted with Christ Himself. And when Christ interacted with a person... There was a love inside of him that, that pierced their very hearts. Because it was an authentic love that reflected his father's heart of mercy. You see, when I read this passage about love your enemies, I've got to put myself not as the person who needs to love the enemy. I've got to put myself as the enemy. And I'm going to be able to look at, look at myself as the enemy of the cross because that's what my pride does. You see, pride steals from you and I the very life that we have in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when I can see myself as the enemy, then I can look and see that there have been times when maybe I felt like I hated God. But how would I want him to treat me? When maybe I felt like I was cursing God, but how would I want him to treat me in that moment? When maybe I was mistreating God or someone else, and how would I want him to treat me in that moment? I would want him to be good to me. I would want him, in spite of that, to bless me. I would want him, in spite of that, to pray for me or to give to me. 
That's what a transformed heart then starts to look like. You see, a transformed heart places the cross between you and, the, and, and your enemy. You and the person that you're angry with. You and the person who cut you off in, the, in traffic. So imagine yourself on one side of that cross and the person that you're angry about or the person that's the enemy or whatever the situation is. And you have to look through that cross to see them. I can tell you when you look at the mercy of Jesus Christ and see another person that you could be angry at, you can't possibly, at least I don't feel like I could possibly still continue to be angry. Because I can't look at the mercy in which he's shown me and not see His compassion for that person that leads my heart to be compassionate for that person. That I have nothing to hold on to. In view of the mercy in which he's shown me, how could I look at this next person and not reflect that mercy? Friends, that's a that's a whole lot of pressure that we carry around in our little pressure cookers of life that we aren't supposed to be living with. There's a whole lot of love that's been missing from the people in your life and in my life that is available as the gospel transforms my life and transforms your life. Are you interested in living the Christian life? Or are you satisfied with holding on to a ticket? My hope is that this perspective invites you to see the Gospels in a whole new way. It's not just this passage. The Gospel is inviting you to be transformed in every breath that you breathe. And so, yes, it is a plan and it is a process. It is not a life of perfection, but it is a life of joy that comes when we're able to look in that mirror and see who we have been And who he is transforming us to be. There is a joy that wells up. Knowing that he is doing a good work. And for much of my life. I lived without the vision. Or the ability to see that joy. Because I was still being the same person. I was just holding on to a ticket. And Jesus has so much more. For you and for me. I'm going to invite the the band to come up. And as we enter into a, a ministry time this morning, we have I have all these little tags um, up here on the front of the altar. And I'm just going to invite you guys to use these as, as mirrors this morning. As you sit and pray, as you, you, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, show me something that you want to transform in who I am today to be more like you. Show me where you want to do a work in my life to transform who I have been and what I'm about to be more like who you are calling me to be. This is not a a card for a prayer request about your Aunt Betty's big toe. This is for you to sit with the Holy Spirit and say, show me one thing. It can be as simple as looking at the list of what's described in Corinthians 13 about love. Love is patient. Love is kind. Right? Look through that list. of Is there something on this list that needs to be true in my life? Is there something on this list that needs to increase, that that's a reflection of who I am? Because I could probably go through any, every one of those things and put them on the list. 
Look at the fruits of the spirit and say, okay, do I do I see a fruit of faithfulness in my life where you don't? Here's the good news of the gospel, friends. It is not to produce shame or guilt in you. It is an invitation of Jesus saying, come and let me in on this. I will help get that plank out of your eye. Then you will be able to live and love as I do. And people will look to you and they'll see me and I'll use you in ministry to get the specks of sawdust out of their eyes and invite them to the life that I've called them to have. Because it's only found in me. You see, in the reality, and this is where I'm going to wrap up with, in the reality of the kingdom of of God, there is a there is an unconditional love that we should receive and reflect. But the world has taught us that love is conditional. So when someone doesn't act the way that you want them to act, then you conditionally hold back your love. But kingdom love says when it costs me something, I'm still going to be this way. When it costs me something to believe the best about this person, I'm going to choose to believe the best about this person. And you can't live in judgment, thoughts of judgment against somebody else and believe the best about them. It's going to cost you something to say, I'm going to believe the best about them. I'm going to believe the best about who they were created to be and that God wants to do a work in their life to transform them into who he imagined them to be, not who they become. There's a work of the gospel and the love of Jesus Christ that leads it to cost us something to do something on behalf of this person we don't want to do it for. But you see, that's kingdom love. That's love that gets credit for something one day. And there's a gospel that says when it costs you something to hope the best for this person that you have no interest and no desire to want to hope the best for. Then because your father is merciful, you can be made merciful as well. And you get credit for that. Jesus wants to love and transform the world. And he's inviting you to be a part of it. But you have to fully accept and dive into the reality of the gospel. And you'll never regret a moment. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that church could not meet our needs nor lead us to the transformation as a work of your spirit. And thank you for the community we call the church. That, Father, you, uh, you lead us to minister to one another. But, Lord, let's start with getting this plank out of our eyes. Let's start with uh, being transformed that our hearts could not even think about judgment because we're so full of seeing a vision of hope for those that we would otherwise judge. Father, right now, I just pray that you anoint and bless these little cards. Holy Spirit, I just invite you to speak into people's hearts right now and point out one or two or three or ten things that you absolutely are putting your finger on. Where you want to change and transform lives in this room. Thank you, Lord, that your word does not return void. Thank you, Lord, that you are not inviting us to walk out that door and just be the same person that walked in. Thank you that your gospel brings life. 
So right now, I just I just speak against all the insecurities and the the twisted truths that people have believed about who you are. And Lord, let them see a a father that is merciful. Let them see a, a God that is as good as he is holy. There is nothing but goodness in you. And where the enemy has tried to twist our thoughts of who you are, that you can't be trusted. Lord, just expose those lies. Do what only you can do, Jesus. By your grace, won't you pour out your life and lead us to who you've called us to be in Jesus' name. As you take a a card and, and write on it, whatever words the Holy Spirit gives you to write, then I just encourage you to come and lay that lay that card on the rocks over here at the foot of this cross. Don't miss the opportunity that Jesus has for you from this day forward to fully live your Christian life. Blessed are the poorest ones, for heaven comes to find where in you, in you. Blessed are the ones who mourn, for comfort comes to find them all in you, in you. Those who seek will be made right, they will be filled and lifted high in you, in you. Blessed are the merciful, for mercy will be shown to them by you, by you. And blessed are the ones who call your name. And blessed are the ones you say. Oh, you bless the pure in heart. We will see our God. We will see our God. Those who long for making peace, they will be called children of our God, of our God. Blessed are the meek, for they receive the earth and all that's found in you, in you. Oh, 
blessed are the ones who call your name. And blessed are the ones you save. Oh, you bless the pure in heart. We will see our God. We will see our God. If just to know you. If just to love you. What more can I ask for? What more can I ask for? If just to know you. If just to love you. What more can I ask for? What more can I ask for? If just to know you. If just to love you. What more can I ask for? What more can I ask for? If just to know you. If just to love you. What more can I ask for? What more can I ask for? Oh, blessed are the ones who call your name. And blessed are the ones you save. Oh, you bless the pure in heart. We will see our God. We will see our God. Oh, blessed are the ones who call your name. And blessed are the ones you say. Oh, you bless the pure in heart. We will see our God. 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 Persecuted we will stand for our reward. It's heaven here and now. And still to come. Oh, blessed are the ones who call your name. And blessed are the ones you say. Oh, you bless the pure in heart. We will see our God. We will see our God. And if just to know you, if just to love you, what more can I ask for? What more can I ask for if just to know you, Jesus, if just to love you? What more can I ask for? Oh, what more can I ask for if just to know you, just to love you? What more can I ask for? What more can I ask for? Oh, 
blessed are the ones who call your name. And blessed are the ones you save. Oh, you bless the pure in heart. For we will see our God. We will see our God. Yes, we will see our God. We will see our God. Son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, I want to see. Son of David, have mercy. O Son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on me.